Hello and welcome to Modern Intuition Podcast with your host, Olivia Scott. In this podcast, we talk all things intuition, spirituality, manifestation, and the road to uncovering soul purpose. I will be chatting with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, business owners, and industry experts to hear their road to creating success and how intuition has played into that journey. We uncover practical tools and inspiration to use in our own modern day lives to create our own version of happy, high vibration living in alignment with our true authentic self. If you love today's episode, I would love it if you would share it with a friend, leave me a review or connect with me on Instagram and let me know what you think. Today's episode is brought to you by Eve Health, at home hormone testing. I am personally so passionate about women taking control over their hormones. So how does it work? You can purchase your test online from www.evehealth.com and then you collect a urine sample from the comfort of your own home. After sending your sample to the lab, Eve scientists will analyze your results and a health consultant will put together your report complete with diet, lifestyle and nutritional recommendations based on your unique body. Listeners to this podcast can access an exclusive 15% discount off your Eve test. Just visit www.evehealth.com and enter the code INTUITION at the checkout. That's I-N-T-U-I-T-I-O-N. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I am interviewing the beautiful Daisy Moore today. Daisy is a life coach and a yoga teacher and she's a friend of mine. I got to know Daisy after she came to see me for a healing session earlier this year and I'm so grateful for her. She has been on a really unique journey. She lost her mother at a young age, which then has led her down this path of rediscovering self-worth and the power of it and she shares how this has really catapulted and changed her life completely but she's been on a real journey of figuring out and sorting through what is really important in this lifetime and the importance of spending our time doing things that really light us up. She was in a corporate role and she realized that maybe working a nine-to-five job wasn't for her and she shares how she started her business, the transitions between financially letting go of a job in order to uh, kind of dive into that fear of not knowing what the business will evolve but trusting that it would and how she uses self-love techniques, manifestation techniques and a whole lot more to create the life that she loves. She also shares, and this is my favorite part, how she manifested her dream man and how her self-worth really played into that and you guys will get to hear a little bit more around that soon. I think it's so valuable to hear about these stories of how manifestations have occurred and taken place because it's one thing to read the books, watch the documentaries, listen to the podcasts and see how manifestation works but actually living the process of it and embodying 
that information is a whole nother thing. When you're really able to walk the talk, how you manifest as an individual is when you've really got your true power and form in place. I actually have a manifestation and journaling workshop coming up on the September the 13th, which is a Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. If you're in Auckland, I would love for you to join. It's going to be a really amazing evening and we're going to dive into firstly how to find your own authenticity and how to manifest from that place. I don't think there's any point manifesting things if it's coming from a place of fear or a place of lack or place of ego. We're going to learn how to tap into our higher self, connect deeper with our intuition and let things come forward and through. Journaling is a practice that allows us to tap into our subconscious mind to let things come forward. Sometimes it's blocks and limiting beliefs that we need to work through and sometimes it's dreams and desires that we don't even realize we have or maybe we do on a deep level but we haven't allowed to come through. So in the workshop we're going to go into all of that and we're going to go through different techniques and meditations to learn how to really get out onto paper what we want to create in our life and from that point how to manifest it and put those actions into place. So if you'd love to come along to this event, the coupon code for the checkout is PURPOSE20. It's called Clarity Journaling Workbook. 55 journaling prompts to create your dream life. But without further ado, I just want to get into today's episode with Daisy. I hope you love it. Welcome Daisy to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on here. I've been wanting to chat with you about these things for such a long time. So for anyone that doesn't know Daisy, Daisy firstly has the most contagious positivity She's a life coach, a yoga teacher, and she inspires women to get the fullest out of their life and to create a life they love. Now, I want to talk about the journey behind how you became to do what you do right now, um, but I want to take it all the way back. What would you like as a child? Mm, this is such a juicy question to start off with. Gosh, um, it's funny. I never really thought... I had thought about what I was like as a child until probably the last year when my partner and I are thinking about where we want to live and you know you then think school zones and it gets quite like oh okay childhood what was my childhood you know you, you dive into it but to be honest so my mum passed away when I was two and a half and I don't actually remember having a very happy childhood like I was loved and there was happiness around but when I asked my auntie what I was like she actually said I was quite sad and yeah so I think I was quite a sad child and then later in life kind of put on this really I don't know if I'd say put on but was kind of the class clown I think I never really felt like I fit in and so I had a very uh extroverted personality so I think that as a child I didn't really feel like I fit in (laughs) But I was still loved and and there was happiness around, but I think deep down, and that kind of started my journey because I did have kind of like these big moments early on, which kind of forces you to look at, I guess, the things that I encourage people to look at now. So yeah, my childhood was different Mm -hmm. um, and that's now one of my great strengths. You know, my uniqueness is my strength and kind of is my business now, but I guess growing up with a single parent with your name Daisy and you've got red hair, you're kind of born to stand out, aren't you? So 
<laughs> yeah, that's probably what I was like as a child. And so how did that lead into your teenage years and how did that play out? Yeah, um, how did that play out? I guess as a teenager I kind of wanted to leave home. I wanted to just go out and do my own thing. I was very independent, kind of. I had a solo parent and one other sibling, um, and so I just kind of always did my own thing. And that's really what I share now is do what feels good for you. Um, So, yeah, I've always done my own thing. I left to go to uni at 17, and I actually didn't return back home to Auckland while I'd come to visit, but I moved out at 17, and I just came back. Um, to Auckland at the beginning of last year, so at um, 27. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that that discomfort you experienced during your teenage years is what asked, is what forced you to go, there's something else out there that I want to find? Mm, I think I was very much running away from like dealing with anything. So yeah. Yeah, and this year has been quite healing for me in a, in a, in a weird way. Yeah. And so tell me about what happened after that. What, what was your journey of your early 20s? What were you doing in your early 20s? Yeah, my early 20s were amazing. Um, at 20, I finished university in Dunedin, um, and I moved to Sydney with a best friend. Um, so moving to Sydney was so pivotal in my journey because... You know, growing up in Auckland, everyone knows everyone. Um, going to Sydney, I was finally me. Like, I could kind of be whoever I wanted. Nobody knew me. Um, Abby, my best friend, and I, we moved there. We didn't know anyone. We literally had no friends. Um, and for the first time, you know, no one asked me what school I went to. No one asked me what uni I went to. People would add me on Facebook and there were no mutual friends. So that was really eye-opening for me. It's like taking a step back and thinking, you know, who do I want to be, what's important to me, what do I like in another person, all those types of big questions. You to choose who you really, really are. Yeah, Um, and just be yourself. Um, And then a couple of years into Sydney, we actually, my best friend and I, we went travelling for eight and a half months, and that was, again, really pivotal in my journey. Um, eight and a half months backpacking was wild Um, and not backpacking like going to Europe we did go to Europe but we (laughs) went on the skin of our teeth it was the most amazing journey we stayed in a tent in Africa for a month and then backpacked around Europe and did Southeast Asia and you know we just lived on the bare minimum I was thinking about it recently I think we spent $23,000 $23,000 for eight and a half months, including flights everywhere. Like, it was wild. Um, and just to see how other people lived was really eye-opening, you know, going from Africa and all the different countries in Africa to going to Europe and people have siestas and they run their local businesses and just seeing a different way of life and happiness on a whole new level was really like, wow, this idea of this nine-to-five I don't know if that works for me and I was working in marketing and I've never not liked my job like I've never hated a job but I just was like this can't be it like I can't get to 40 and be going every day to make money for someone else and just push paper around because realistically that's what I was doing you know you pretend to be important but it's like what was I actually doing 
Um, and so that experience was really like, okay, if I want to continue marketing, I have to be marketing a product that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back to Sydney and started working for Fitness First, which is an Australian brand. Um, well, no, it's actually an international brand, but I was working for the Australian um, business and working in marketing for them. And, and that was really cool to get into that fitness and wellness industry. Do you think that making that decision to change your job into fitness first was the first step to creating the life that you actually did want? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So what were the values that you decided you wanted to incorporate into your life after your trip that led you to getting that job? What did you change in your life? Mm, Well, I definitely started thinking about more alignment like you know what type of brands do I already use what type of brands do I want to get behind um so yeah it had to be aligned and it had to be doing something good after being in you know some of those um countries and seeing other people's how other people lived it was like you have to be making a difference because we come from such privilege like and maybe we don't realize it enough and so yeah doing something Good. And I know working in a gym isn't saving the world, you know, marketing a, a gym isn't saving the world, but to me it felt like I was actually doing something good. Um, so that was a really, that's a really big value of mine is, is paying it forward, yeah. Do you think that that change in job was sparked by something inside you that said, I want to create more alignment in my life now? Yeah, yeah, I think that spark had always been there. Mm. Um, from losing my mum, like I said, when I was young, I kind of saw firsthand, holy moly, life can be taken away from you at any moment. And I don't want to be wasting a third of my life, which is how long we spend in our careers, which is crazy. I don't want to be spending a third of my life not doing something that A, is aligned to me, and B, that's enjoy, it has enjoyment, you know? Um, So, yeah, I think that spark, like you said, was there and was always there. Um, But going on that journey and and, and seeing, I guess, the travels really brought that out, made me have the space to to dive in there and and connect back to that spark of of wanting to do something good Mm. and make the most of my life, yeah. Yeah. So then what did that job open up for you? Mm. Well, just being in the industry was really great. Um, I actually was reflecting on it recently because in my new program, um, Love Life More, we're going to dive into strengths. And I actually sat next to this guy, Howard, in that job. And he was, oh gosh, he was a lot older than me. I don't know how old he was, but he was this single guy and he was really into self-development, but kind of like closeted. And he would always, he was so funny, he would always sit there and we would sit kind of next to each other, but he was behind me and some days he'd turn around and he'd just spark with these questions. And one day he said to me, Daisy, do you know your strengths? And I was like, what? Like, where did it come How's your day? You know, he would just come up with these questions and just like trickle in self-development into my life. Yeah. And it was at that time where I was kind of getting into Dr. Libby and Melissa Ambrosini and all those um, amazing women, and it was the perfect timing for me. And so, yeah, he would recommend books and teachers and and things, and then I actually 
during that job, it was a great job, but I didn't really feel very challenged. Um, and so I love learning. So I thought, okay, I'm going to learn something new on the side just to kind of fill, yeah. fill some space. Um, and so I started studying with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Right. Um, and that was really pivotal again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would listen to the lectures on my morning walk, um, go to work, work in that environment, be sparked by Howard, and then go home and do more. So I really was like immersed in this um, self-development world, and it was kind of what I was hungry for. I guess it was what I had been searching for for a long time to kind of have the tools I needed to move through the things I was challenged by. And, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's... Definitely, <laughs> it definitely does. And I think it's so helpful for people to see how taking the first step into something can open up new doors. It's just about taking that first step, not knowing where it's going to lead you to, right? A hundred percent. And being open to new opportunities. And also the importance of learning, opening up our mind to new ways of seeing things which so how did that how did that kind of experience of learning about personal development then move you into the next phase Mm. and I love that you brought that up because that's such an important point is like we don't need to know the whole road like when this dream life you know It can sound so big and scary and what's my dream life, but it's every day taking the steps that excite you. And I always say it's like driving in a car at night. You know, you don't need to see the end destination, but the lights just need to shine that little expanse forward for you to drive forward. And like you said, the next door opens, the light continues to be shone. Um, And so, yeah, learning about that self-development and doing the course, I had... So it was to become a holistic health coach. And I only really signed up because I was interested in the content. And I thought, oh, this is how I can really support myself in in living my best life and becoming more healthy and happy. So that was my intention. And then learning the, the content, I just had to share because it was literally changing my life. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had have known this so much you know, I wish I had known this so many years ago. So I started sharing what I was learning. And it's funny that I have the business I have now because previously sharing online, like, no way. I'm a terrible speller. And all throughout school, I was told, like, my, I, I remember my English teacher saying, like, you'd be lucky to get a job in the supermarket. Like, the way I wrote was... Wow. <laughs> story for another day. I know. <laughs> but, like, my writing was not not fantastic but I was like I have to share and so I created this really closed Facebook group for my friends and I would only let people I knew in the group because I was like there's no way I'm sharing like you know with the world of social media so I just started sharing and every week I'd write I guess what was essentially a blog post and I would share what I was learning share these ideas like you know self-love and self-worth and meditation and affirmations and these things I'd never heard about before I started sharing them with my friends and then a friend asked me to coach her and I was like I don't really know what that is and (laughs) I don't really know what that would be like and she was like I really need your support so I said okay put together this little program 
charged her next to nothing and off we went. I coached her and it was just a really amazing experience and it was like you said, you know, when you step into it, another door opens and that was the door for me to experience this coaching world and the difference I could make mm-hmm. on a different level and a really personal level. Totally. So, That's yeah. incredible seeing how that process, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that, but I guess as an overview evolved for you. And sometimes I think as you take the first step into something, you... You can, like we said, you can only see what's right there in front of you, and then you arrive there and you look around and you go, Oh my, this is too scary to move forward, I'm just going to stay here. And then over time, you realize that the universe really is nudging you to take that step. And for you, it would have probably was it scary being asked to be a coach? <laughs> I actually remember getting her message. I remember where I was on the street. I remember the day. I I remember it. And I remember thinking, you can say no to this. Because I was scared. I was like, I don't know if I can help her. I don't know how to help her. Like, yes, I'm trained in this, but I don't know what it is. Um, And I remember thinking, this is going to be, this is going to be the step. You have to take this in order to see what's next, in order to try it out. Like, you have to, I remember, I was like, you have to be brave. You have to have to do it and yeah saying yes was I guess the next the next step into oh. and it, you're always going to be scared why do we think we're not like I would be weirded out if you weren't scared oh. and so it's not about not being scared but being okay to be scared oh. being okay to sit in that discomfort like you were saying and and sit in that and actually I was doing some research for a client because we've been discussing like feeling feelings and, and stuff and neuroscientists have proven it takes 90 seconds to feel a feeling so a feeling moves through your body for it to move through your body it takes 90 seconds like yes a thought might then re-trigger the feeling but for that one feeling to move through we just have to sit in it for 90 seconds and you know that for anyone could be turning on the jug and being like okay I'm going to sit in this discomfort I'm going to sit in this fear until the jug goes off and then I'm going to move yes. you know at 90 seconds it's not so sinister and do you think after that 90 seconds you can then make a decision properly around that fear because mm. then I think you you bring that conscious awareness you know if you can be present with it for 90 seconds and bring your conscious awareness to it because so often we feel that discomfort whether it's fear or loneliness or sadness or whatever that discomfort for you is and we straight away get out of it you know we lean out of it instead of leaning into it and so we distract ourselves with our phone maybe we scroll on instagram or call a friend or we eat that's a massive distraction right Mm -hmm. so we have all these distractions and then we're caught in the distraction and then you don't move forward in a positive way. You don't move forward with that conscious awareness. You stay stuck, in my opinion, yeah. Okay, so leaning into that feeling for 90 seconds <laughs> and then seeing how you feel afterwards and, ha- and how do we feel afterwards with sitting in the, in the emotion for 90 seconds? You probably feel quite good after, right? Because a feeling is a feeling, right? An emotion is energy in motion, the essence of an emotion is that it's going to move and change, right? So if you feel that feeling, well, then it's gone. And another feeling comes in, whether that's happiness, excitement, 
whatever that is. I see. So it allows yeah. us to tune into how we really, really feel yeah. around it rather than feeling the fear of it or the sadness of it or the excitement of it. How do we really feel about it mm. after many seconds? So how did your intuition play into, I guess, taking those first initial leaps of leaning into what your new coaching business evolved to become? Yeah. And intuition's been a big one and something I'm still definitely diving into at the moment. Um, I learned a big lesson about intuition a few years ago. Mm. I lost a significant amount of money, so I learned my lesson the hard way. (laughs) And I'm like, I will listen to my intuition from now on. Um, But intuition has always been that nudge and also those synchronicities, right? Like when those things happen that you're like, you know, a friend reaches out or you're thinking about someone and they message you or a car drives past with the number plate of a person's name or, you know, these crazy things, that's always our guidance, right? And we have intuition, but we also have the universe's guidance of leaving those little nuggets, leaving those open doors, um, and we need to follow it. So, yeah, really, I guess for me it's tapping into what feels good and what feels like it's drawing me closer. So like say saying yes to moving overseas, saying yes to studying at IIN, saying yes to doing that client, you know, those little those little niggles inside that although it's scary, like we said, it still feels like a yes. Mm. Still feels like, oh, this is drawing me toward. Yeah, so intuition to you feels like you're being guided in that direction Mm. and it feels expansive like when I sit in the feeling it feels expansive that would be the feeling yeah Mm. and that it's leading you forward Mm. into the next scary thing (laughs) yeah so with that girl in her early 20s who was working at the gym not really knowing what was coming next but leaning into what felt good and expansive what advice would you give her right now? I'd say be you, be who you are always, and I guess sit in your worth. That girl back then did not have self-worth or self-love. You know, I've always I've always thought I was chubby. That was a big thing for me, like thinking, oh, no one will ever love you in your thunder face, which if anyone listening thinks that, that is such a lie. It is not the truth. <laughs> No one cares about your thighs apart from you, but I would tell that girl, yeah, to be herself and love herself because, yeah, self-worth is life-changing and I wish I had sat in that sooner. But it's all divine timing, isn't it? I know. Yes. And the process of learning it is how we actually have accumulate the skills and the tools in order to continue that self-love and self-worth and expand it. So what are some of the tools in your toolkit that you use to really love on yourself? Mm. And just a backstory of why I believe self-love is so important. So I went and worked at Gwangana Lifestyle Retreat for six weeks and I just dived into this self-worth thing. (laughs) And I went there still very much attached to an ex-boyfriend that I couldn't quite let go because I was scared of we both knew it wasn't right but I was scared of being alone because if I let go of that would anyone else come in you know very low self-love and self-worth 
And I went on this retreat for six weeks and I worked there and I just dived into loving myself and that was affirmations and meditation and when you rub you know your moisturizer on can you actually love your physical form so many of these tiny things and I left that retreat feeling completely different feeling like I was really proud of who I was regardless of if I had cellulite on my bum or not like that's irrelevant And I just really loved myself for, I guess, the first time in a long time. And I came back to New Zealand. It was, I always get the dates wrong, and I've even written them down, but I can never remember. But basically, I came back to New Zealand for a few weeks before moving to the UK. And one of my best friends said, oh, come out with us. It's my boyfriend's birthday. Come to these drinks, rah rah. And I said, okay, hadn't seen her in six weeks. So I was like, yep, sounds cool, I'll be there. It ended up being a joint birthday party with my now partner, Josh. And so it was his birthday party. And I turned up, and he's divine, like he's beautiful. And I turned up, and he was there. And I've known him before because you know what Auckland's like. And looking back on the past, he's actually asked me out before, mm-hmm. but I actually declined it because I thought, and this is low self-worth, right? I thought, oh, he just needs someone to hang out with. He's just needs someone to waste time with. That was my belief. Not the belief of, oh, he might want to take me out on a date, you know. So I said no way back when. Interesting. I just want to like, um, point this out. that when your self-worth was lower, you didn't see or value yourself and those coinciding experiences and situations and relationships you were creating from that point of low self-worth you really weren't valuing yourself and uh, opportunities were you were missing out on a hundred percent and I sorry and I believe in divine timing and and the process Mm -hmm. of learning how to love ourselves. but it's just so interesting to point out that that difference and where you were at well you create your life from your current reality don't you Mm. from the lens you're looking through Mm. um So yeah, actually that night I had this, and I still laugh at it, we both do. So that night he said, oh, you know, I thought you lived in Australia, I thought you lived in Sydney, and I said, oh yeah, I did, I'm actually moving to the UK in a couple of weeks, you should come with me. Mm -hmm. Like, what a joke. And we both laughed, and I don't know where that confidence came from, (laughs) but I was like... It's all that self-loving. Right? (laughs) I was like, I'm quite cool, and you're quite cool, and I think we'll get along, you know, I never, ever... Previously, this girl wouldn't even go on a date with this guy, let alone invite him to live in the UK with me. And so he laughed, and then we dated for like a week or so. And then on the last day I was in New Zealand, he said, do you want to be my girlfriend? I'll come with you. No way. (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) So yeah, I already had a flight out, and he still had to quit his job and sell his furniture and, you know, all that, tell his family, all that type of thing. Um... So I went to Sri Lanka and then we met in the UK and we moved in together. And the rest is is history. That's (laughs) incredible. So I want to know a little bit more about how you invited this divine human into your life. Did you ever have a list or a manifestation list or a journal around the type of man that you wanted to invite in? I did, yes. How did that look for you, that process? Yes, well, it was actually funny. I... A family friend had just gotten married and she, the girl he had gotten married to had put something on her Instagram saying, 
It's so funny, I wrote this dream man list and he actually came to life. And because I knew the guy, and I was like, oh, I know him and I know he ticks all those boxes and fudge, if it works for her, I'll just give it a go. So I had a laugh and I wrote down on my phone kind of my dream man list. And I didn't, I wasn't too attached to it and I didn't really think much about it, but I guess that started the manifestation process, right? So I always had that in mind, and my partner, who I was with in Sydney, and love him to bits, he's a lovely guy, but we're not aligned, we weren't made for each other, and we both knew that, but like I said, I couldn't quite let it go, and part of the process, I think, of manifesting Josh was really letting that relationship go, and that happened when I was at Guangana, we met up afterward, and it was the final goodbye I guess we had done that back and forth you know one of those ones you can't quite seem to still got their claws in you. <laughs> yeah you're still like oh hey um yeah so I think to come back to your question about about calling someone into your life is doing the work doing the work on yourself because it all comes from you you are a magnet you attract what you are if that makes sense mm doing the work and that self-love work and it might sound silly and small but I challenge anyone listening to when you're rubbing your moisturizer on in the morning or in the evening literally love your physical form can we do that instead of just slapping it on looking in the mirror and thinking oh god your thighs can we give a compliment if we want love from somebody else we have to be willing to give that to ourselves. Or it's not going to come in. You know, I can't expect someone to do something for me that I'm not already doing for myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first step is doing the work and loving yourself, diving into this whole self-love world, which we're so lucky to live in the world we live in, where this is everywhere. If Mm -hmm. we want to learn, we can hire a coach, we can Google it. Mm -hmm. Um, Podcast. Podcast. Hello. (laughs) So yeah, do the work on yourself and create space for magic to happen. And I say to my clients all the time, you know, if there's a beat up old Toyota Corolla with no warrant of fitness or registration sitting in your driveway, is a sexy red Ferrari going to swing by? No, because there's literally no room. And we can think about this in all areas of our life, relationships, careers, friendships, um, Anything. If we want something to come in, is there space for that in our life? Mm-hmm. Have we created the space? And then get clear on what it is you want, because the power of the universe is actually wild. Like, uh-huh. I've been manifesting for a long time now, and I'm still blown away by it. Like, every time it happens, I'm still shocked. Yeah. And it's like, it's so powerful. So, yeah, get clear on, on what it is that you want. Because if you asked me here today to do this podcast and you didn't tell me a time or a location or anything, how was I going to get there, Uh right? And it's like the same with the universe. If we don't, if we're not clear on what it is that we want, how's it going to support us to bring that into our life? Uh And so creating a dream man list can be really powerful, but it also helps you get clear on what it is that you want. And not to limit ourselves by he has to have blue eyes and red hair and, you know, these wild things. But but what do you want to feel when you're with him? 
What do you want to do together? You know, what's important to you in terms of values? Getting clear on those core things to manifest that. Totally. And, and something I've, I want to speak to as well is when you do create that list, whether it's for your dream man, your dream job, your dream life, whatever it is, writing that down declares it is an energetic transferal mm. from your body to your pen to the paper. And even just that release is very powerful. And noticing from those lists or however you're transferring that energy onto paper, you will start to get invitations, pings, synchronicities of, for example, Daisy being invited to this party. That was an invitation from the universe saying, hey girl, this is where you can step into this um, invitation, this situation to align with that list. And there would have probably been 20 other things that you had done before that invitation coinciding with the energy of that list yeah. that allowed you to be in the right place at the right time to go to that place. So really, it's not just about writing a list and waiting for it to arrive, but it's around noticing what the universe is asking you to do and where it's wanting you to go. And I think a really good way to tune into if it's the right invitation is, does it feel good? Mm. Does this feel like the right thing? Or does it feel like it's... Um, what's the word I'm looking for is there contraction Mm. Um, and if there's contraction then then it's not the right thing and you're choosing yourself tonight or you're choosing to do what what actually excites you in this moment Mm. and I love what you said there it's not about just writing a list we have to take action because you can write a dream career list and then never go for a job interview you know good luck so yeah it's definitely the thoughts and the actions and the trust of that divine timing trust that everything is happening as it should Um, (laughs) I don't like that word but that's what I mean you know everything is happening perfectly and as you expand that self-love and that energy you have in your own energy field for yourself you will notice what feels good your intuition will be clearer you become more aware of what is right and what isn't right for you So I would like to know more around what are those self-love rituals that you, that you must do each day to look after Daisy? Mm. Um, for me, morning routines are a big one. Mm. That's the way I kind of start the day and the energy I wish to continue. And self-love for me is scraping my tongue before, mm. before I do anything. You know, it's having lots of water. It's doing those affirmations while I rub lotion on my body it's meditation it's carving out space in the day for the things that I love Mm. it's yeah having a positive mindset yeah and and creating space for for the things that I love because that always makes me feel good and those are tiny right like having time in the day to spend with my dog or my partner or calling my auntie that's the energy of love, right? That is love energy. Like, you spend time with my sausage dog, Frank, and try tell me your heart doesn't hurt. Like, good luck. So, yeah, self-love I, I feel love just from watching <laughs> stories of your dog. I don't even need to have it in real life. I already get lit up from watching videos of them. He's <laughs> the best. So, yeah, how can we create space in our life for us? Because... We're often the first thing to go on the back burner, you know, when life gets quote-unquote busy, 
the self-love goes out the window and then everything crumbles. So can we make that a real pillar of having time in our week and white space to feel into, I might feel into what do I what do I feel like doing today? And I'm an extrovert introvert. I need both connection with others and then I need both con- connection with myself. So time in my day is really important. Um, but meditation, I think, is a self-love tool and probably my biggest self-love tool because it's that point in the day where I can just sit down and sit with myself and sit with how I'm feeling mm. and give myself that time and attention. So what does meditation look like for you? What, what do you do? Guided? Silent? TM? What sort of things mm. do you do? It's always different for me. Um, just feel into what I need. Like I might just need sitting on the grass by myself and doing my own breathing. Or it could be a guided meditation if my mind is really busy and I need more support. So yeah, feeling into what I need. Um, and getting out of that fight or flight response and back into that rest and digest, back into that relaxed frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so breathing exercises are big, guided meditations, and then even just a simple mantra-based meditation where I just think of Om, Om, just come back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mantras are powerful, mm-hmm. aren't they? They're able to work on the not just the conscious mind and relaxing the conscious body, but the subconscious mind, sound vibration. Mm. I love mantras. Mm, me too. So what does a normal day look like for you? <laughs> oh, good question. A normal day. Well, I guess the day is always different for me, depending on clients, depending on life. Um, but I guess it always kind of starts and ends the same. Um, so it will start with my partner wakes up at 5.20 um, he goes to work early so he'll wake up and get the dog up and do all those dog things and then he'll bring the dog into bed and we'll have like a little spoon train that's like my favourite the cuddles are like one of my biggest I just love them spoon train, spoon train. I love that. <laughs> especially because Frank's a boy and Josh is obviously a boy so I'm like I get to spoon with my boys, boys. it's the best um <laughs> So that would be it. And then I would wake, I'd get out of bed, I'd scrape my tongue, wash my face, um, take the dog out and be in nature. Gosh, that breath of fresh air in the morning. Um, there'd be meditation, there'd be exercise, um, and a good breakfast, and maybe some journaling. That would be my morning routine and the different times and how it all works is different. Um, some mornings I have clients early. Um, my UK girls, we often do 7 a.m. in the morning, so then mm-hmm. it would be a shortened routine to, to fit. Um, getting out in nature with Frank is a big one. Um, and then my day's totally different every day. So clients, um, business, maybe there's some meetings. Um, there's always space for, for family and friends. That's something... That was really important in creating my life and my business and the decision to have my own business was I wanted to be there for my family and I wanted to be there for my friends. And it's been really beautiful since being home. Um, One of my best friends, Sophia, she recently had a baby. Well, six months ago she had a baby. And I've been able to see him almost every week for for six months. Um, I'm actually going to see him after this. Um, And 
that has been so important because I could always be doing more in my business, you know, making more money, doing all the things, but but coming back to the intention of why I created it for that flexibility and freedom, so that's really important. You know, if my niece and nephew are going to Kelly Tarleton, it's like, I want to be there. I don't want to say no to that. Um, and I know I have to be realistic too of what are my priorities, but but so my my day always has space for, for my family and friends and I'm really fortunate that a lot of that includes time with my partner so he'll get home from work around four or five we'll go do an adventure or take the dog for a walk and then I might have a few clients that evening mm. and then there's always the wind down period um, before bed and we're really early bed, mm. bed people <laughs> we're we're in bed at 9 o'clock, asleep by 9.30 every night. It's it's amazing. Um, Sleep is so important. Oh, it's so important. Conversation. Every single bodily function is improved by sleep. And if we didn't need sleep, it would have we would have evolved out of it, you know? But it stayed there for a purpose. And, it, yeah, if you think of every single bodily function, it thrives on sleep. Totally. Sleep is a form, like, very serious sleep and taking it seriously is a form of self-love. 100%. Mental health is the most important and a good night's sleep is the best thing. Mm. So I want to ask you one more question before I backtrack. (laughs) Do you have a food philosophy? Uh, Yes. I'm not strict in terms of food. Well, I guess I'm quite strict in my own home. Um, I like to know where my food comes from. For example, I don't want to buy pasta sauce when I could make it. I'm not going to buy stock cubes where I could make a broth. You know, I really like to know where the ingredients come from in terms of what is actually in my food. Um, We try to eat a whole food diet. Um, Josh likes meat, obviously, so we try to do a mix of vegetarian and and meat dishes um, we cook a lot at home and that's really important to me is, is cooking at home so I can know what's going in to food um, and then when I'm out it's not such a big deal if I can if I can know what's going on in my own home then when I go out for dinner yeah I can be a bit open open yeah not have to ask you know where's the meat from and blah 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 mm. yeah so being I don't know if strict is the right word. Being conscious in my own home. Conscious. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's not strict at all. I think it's also another form of self-love. And when you're loving what you're eating, it's just that's that vibration that you're continuing mm. to emulate. Mm. And I also love using food as a source of, um, like, a medicine. And it's funny, <laughs> living in the UK... My flatmates would always joke because I'd make these immunity shots and I'd get the blender out, you know, you get the ginger and the turmeric and the lemon and, like, all these good things and the essential oils and I'd make up these immunity shots because I actually believe that's what your body needs when you're sick. Yeah. It doesn't need this codral stuff. Oh, God, it I'm just not. needs needs the good stuff. So being able to, yeah, use, use food as, as medicine and it's quite fun. My partner calls me a witch doctor and I definitely am. <laughs> Definitely own that. I would take it as a compliment. (laughs) Um, So I just want to backtrack a little bit because I know a lot of people will find this really valuable. When you were starting your coaching business, 
How did you transition out of working into creating your business full-time? And what was involved behind, I guess, the financial aspect Mm -hmm. and how you transitioned out of that? Such a good question. Um, So as I said, I was working for Fitness First and I was in their marketing team. So I was running their recruitment brand. So I had quite a, a a good position, I guess, And I don't like hierarchy, but, you know, you're in the office, you're kind of telling people what to do. It feels very important. So I went from that to knowing that I couldn't do that and start my business. And I actually moved to London in that transition. So there was a lot going on. And it was the decision of, do I go back into a career in marketing and try to do my business on the side Or do I get a job that I know the hours, I can leave when it's my time to leave and do that? And that was, to be completely honest, a huge ego crusher. So I started working in the gym at Fitness First in the UK and I was on reception and teaching yoga. And so going from this great salary and this great position of importance to being the person folding the towels was a huge on my ego but again coming back to what do I want in my life you know I want the flexibility and freedom I want to start my business I want to make a difference so that was really I guess cool to yeah go on oh I was just going to say I think that that discomfort right there is why a lot of people don't start Mm. because it is so uncomfortable like not knowing if you're going to have potentially enough money coming in next week to cover all of the bills but you know what your mission is and you are determined to make it work that space of however long you're in that space it might be three months six months a year sometimes even longer for some Mm. people but that is where you go for a while when you're starting from scratch and creating the, your dream. Mm-hmm. It's what you sometimes have to do to commit. Yeah. And it's that stepping into fear and not knowing the next step, but trusting. Mm-hmm. And, and it was great. Like, I finally had a job where when my shift was over at 3, I was out the door at 3.05, you know? And that was important for me for having clients because... Back in my marketing role, if someone called or a project was thrown on my desk, I couldn't just say, sorry, I've got a client. Like, that was my job. So the way I transitioned into my business was having that job. And at first it was full-time. And then I had my clients on the side and had my business on the side. I actually didn't have very many clients at all. And then just coming down a day. So I picked up more yoga classes, which was more aligned with my business, So I could move from five days at the gym to four days at the gym. And then uh, Lululemon was actually paying more per hour than Fitness First. So I then got a job at Lululemon, which meant I was getting more money for the four days than I was. So that was great. And then that's what I slowly did. As as my business grew, I took a day off at Lululemon. So I started on full-time and then I moved down and down and down until finally I was on three days and then that was the decision of the in the UK the lowest you can work at like the least you can work at Lululemon is three days Mm -hmm. so I was on the list and then that was the decision of do I stay here or do I take the leap 
and go full time in my business and it was definitely a leap um, but I'm, I'm so glad that I did it because yeah, having that space and, and the challenge mm. is, is amazing so yeah I would highly recommend getting a, getting a job that means you can leave when you need to leave and you have set hours and you're not stressed and your mind's not taken up by it mm. and then slowly coming down and Lululemon was amazing for me like that company was amazing because they fully supported my dream you know previously even when I was studying I didn't tell my employer because I was scared that they would think I wasn't committed you know why would they give me a pay rise when I'm doing this thing on the side Mm -hmm. so I kept it a secret for quite a long time whereas at Lululemon I could share what I was doing I'd go in in the morning and everyone would be asking and they would be because in the UK you know every well here too most people that work at Lululemon are performers or they're personal trainers or they've got their own thing on the side. So everyone was in a very similar boat to me. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was going for auditions and swapping shifts so that everyone could really be supported. So I was very fortunate to be part of that community and that really supported me in, in creating my business. Because in the beginning... You don't have a business, like, like you do, but it's not paying your your rent. Yeah. Um. But it, but it will, of course. Of course. How did your clients find you? Mm. Um. At first, they were my friends, and then social media has been big for me. And it's funny, I've. I've been on social media for a long time and I feel like no one's watching. Like That's why I show up effortlessly because I honestly feel like no one watches it. And so when people like reach out and they're like, hey, I've been following you. I got two clients actually <laughs> recently. This kind of ties into my job at Fitness First. So two of my clients recently, they started following me because... A guy used to work at Fitness First and he did one fitness class a week and to be honest I actually can't remember his name but I remember who he was and he he was lovely. He'd come to the desk, say hi, we would have this interaction you know, every Thursday or whenever he was in and then he would go to his other gym and teach there. And my new client was at that gym that he worked at and she was talking to somebody else and she had a New Zealand accent. And he said to her, oh, are you from New Zealand? Like, he interrupted her conversation and said, are you from New Zealand? She said, yes, originally I am. Um, And he said, you'll love following Daisy online. Follow Daisy. Amazing. And so it was just, it was such a great bookend for me to see that my job at Fitness First working on the desk was actually so pivotal in my business because people got to see who I was. They got to know who I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. It's <laughs> like, is that good English? Um, Thanks. So. People got to see me and be in my energy, and I actually got to talk to people and be like, what are your fitness goals? What are your health goals? So, yeah, I guess what I really learned from that is be a good person, and like I said, be who you are, and people will be drawn to you. Uh-huh. They will. You will be successful. If you're a good person and you're going out there every day with the intention to serve in whatever capacity that is, people will find you. People will refer people to you. People will interrupt other people's conversations to share your message. Like, 
it's it's wild. So yeah, I think authenticity is one of the most powerful, um, I guess, energetic stamps on the world. When we show up as who we are, people can see that. Mm. And that trust, like we were saying in the manifestation equation, you know, trust that if you continue to put... Like, for me, I was putting out blog posts every week. I don't think anyone was reading them, but I was having a good time. And it turns out people were reading them. (laughs) So important. So, yeah, that consistency. And even when you think people aren't watching, going out there and doing your thing and speaking to one person... You know, if if I run an event and three people come, that's three people that took time out of their day to be with me, you know? I think we can get so caught up in these social media numbers, you know, the numbers games and likes and followers, but at the end of the day, business is person to person, you know? I don't need 10,000 followers to get two clients. I just need two people, mm. yeah, two people. And, yeah, it's coming back to that message of what are you up to in your community? What are you, what are you doing as a person mm. to attract those clients in? Mm. And that's what, yeah. that's what it should be about. It's about doing it because you love it, not because you're there for the numbers. Mm. I had this conversation with Josh last night because I'm in this, in this kind of weird phase where charging is awkward and it's not awkward because I understand I need to charge my clients because one I have to pay my mortgage and two it's I'm doing them a disservice if I don't charge them because they're not going to show up for their sessions you know there's a lot that goes on in that but for me I love what I do and if someone knocked on my door I would do that for free so yeah, I was having a conversation with Josh last night of, I would actually do this for free. So for me, charging for it, it's like, yeah, ooh. That's how, that shows how much you love it, and I think people will pay megabucks for that sort of authenticity. And it's, it's crazy, I mean, and I know you're saying that you don't want to because you just want to offer it, but that's what, that's what people need is that authenticity and that, uh, genuine sheer passion of a coach and people need to be heard I think we don't value that enough is that asset of sitting across from someone and for an hour they are solely listening to you, they're not telling you about their experiences or whatever, they're listening to you they're asking you questions and allowing that space for you to uncover whatever it is going on there mm. because in the day and age we live in, we're rushing, you know? We're rushing around from the moment our alarm goes off to the moment we go to sleep. It's a rush. Is there someone in your life that takes an hour out of their time to just sit there and listen to you? And we all need to be heard. So important. Being seen and heard mm-hmm. is one of the most powerful things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced myself with being coached and I also get to be on the opposite side of providing space and it's just incredible what can come forward Mm -hmm. in that space because you're right we in our day-to-day life our interactions even with our best friends and our family 
It's an exchange constantly. It's never specifically you holding mm. physical, or not physical, energetic mm. space. So I want to know a little bit more about what you do when you get into a rut. When you get to that space of feeling perhaps feeling a little bit disconnected or down or low or for whatever reason, what do you do to be in that space and to help you come back? Mm, good question. Um, a lot of things. I have a little self-love menu. You know, it's like a list of things that I love doing that often I forget that I love doing. You know, as we said in this Russian world, I forget what it is that that gets me back into that energy. So I literally have a list in my journal of like the things I love doing. So that's like dancing around to really silly music. I have appalling music taste. I'm well aware. <laughs> dancing around, you know, literally moving that stagnant energy throughout your body. Super important. I love going to the movies on my own. Sometimes when I'm in a rut getting some sweet and salty popcorn and heading to the movies to watch a rom-com, like that, in essence, gets me out of it. I love that. But, but also journaling. I run a journaling class um, every Sunday, and the power of journaling is insane. So just getting out your journal and writing, writing down how you feel, you know, where you feel stuck, where you feel stagnant, writing it out. Mm -hmm. And nature, that's another big one. If I'm in a rut and some of my other tools haven't worked, I just know I need to get out in nature, and as silly as it sounds, hug a tree. Have you hugged a tree recently? No, not recently, oh but now I want to. <laughs> well, the weather's not so crash hot, but literally wrapping your arms around that tree and just getting that energy. Yeah. You know, biophilia is, is the... If we put our bare feet on the ground or our bare skin, we literally pick up the earth's energy. Crazy. Mm. So if we want that energy, if we want to move that stagnant rut, you know, that energy out of our body, can we just go outside and hug a tree How and take off it? our shoes and go, you know what it's like when you're walking on the sand, there's that burst of energy that comes through your body. When you dive under a wave, and I think... We sometimes overcomplicate things, yeah? All the time, yeah? Can we just keep it simple? Get back to basics. Breathing. Nature. Journaling. <laughs> you know? Can we do these really basic things mm. to, to move that? It should be complicated. Never. It should be simple. Yeah. I'm all about we keeping it simple. Yeah. But, it, yeah, I agree. So what are your spiritual beliefs? Mmm. I believe, and I don't know what it's called, but I believe there's something greater out there, whether that's God, the universe, karma, I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I believe there's something greater out there supporting each and every one of us, and I believe we're all one, we're all the same, yeah, mm -hmm. and so I really like to call upon that belief in when times are hard. Um, when times are challenging, that that deep understanding, that deep knowing that there is something out there supporting me in my journey, mm -hmm. and I can call on that thing, and I can trust in that thing, and I and I know that for sure. Um, it's funny, my ex partner who I was telling you about in 
Sydney, he is not spiritual at all. Um, and he said to me one day, there's something out there that follows you, isn't there? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, there's something that guides you. And I was like, what? You know, so I fully believe it, and it's beautiful because other people see it too, mm-hmm. um, but we don't necessarily have to know what it is, but just being able to, to be in that. I love yeah. that. Do you have any spiritual practices? Mm. Well, for me, meditation is a big one. That's my connection to whatever is greater than me. Um, oh, and that's amazing, isn't it? Oh, sometimes that power, like, I've had that experience where you're literally, like, I know I'm in my physical body, but I'm almost up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my connection to, to something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, and just talk sometimes my spiritual practice would be talking to that thing you know literally throwing my arms out and just saying please show me the way or put you know calling on it um I love a good crystal I love I love a good sage um I love all of the things how do your spiritual practices help you to create what you want Mm. well knowing that everything is working out for you that alleviates the fear right because if there's something supporting me and if I'm in divine guidance what's there to be scared of Mm -hmm. so that helps in terms of taking the fear away so you can do the do to get what it is you want Um, but also using it in terms of manifestation to get what you want Mm -hmm. so saying you know this is what I want, please give me a little nudge to to show me the way or whatever it is you need. Yeah. We are running out of time, but I really want to ask you this one more question. So, and you just spoke to it. What does manifestation look like for you? Mm. Manifestation for me, and I would highly recommend Jordana Levine's new book. Oh gosh, what's it called? Make it happen, maybe. And By she, who? Jordana Levine. Okay, I'll link it in the show notes. She's amazing. Um, but she really simplifies the manifestation equation into thoughts, feelings, actions, and trust. And I don't know if those words are correct, but you get the point. So for me, it's the power of your mind at the beginning. So if I want something new, I know I need to change my mindset in order to attract that and that's a lot of what we do in coaching because you can't get to there without looking at where you already are what are the thought process that is creating your current reality and how can we shift it to create something greater because our thoughts trigger our feelings and our feelings create our actions you know if I'm thinking I'm not worthy of a successful business then the feeling I get is why bother low vibe and so then the action is I don't do anything mm-hmm. so it's not I need to add more doing it's how about I look at what my thoughts are and change the beginning of the process because it's always an inside job so for me manifestation is thoughts getting in the feeling of what I want like we were talking about with love if you want more love how can you feel more love today actions and then belief that everything is happening mm. I love that. 
And Daisy, what are you working on within yourself at the moment? Mm, I'm always working on patience. That's a big one. And working very much on my money mindset. Mm -hmm. We went to see our wealth um, coach last week and she's just blown my mind. So yeah, I always love to to get a new coach to kind of work on these new areas. Yeah, and I love that you're continuously learning. Mm, I love to learn. Mm, I think it's so important to expand. Mm. Is there anything that you are working on at the moment in your business that you'd like to share? Well, I always have my signature program from mediocre to more, and that's something I'm so passionate about. I love the one-on-one support of guiding people to get the most out of their life because, like I said at the beginning, I experienced death from a very young age. I know that your life can be taken away in any moment, and so I'm so deeply passionate about supporting people to get the most out of their life because this is it. Why wait for tomorrow when we have today? Mm. And tomorrow's not guaranteed. So can we take the time out in our life to look at these things, to learn these things, to shift these things, and experience everything that we could ever imagine today, now, this year, instead of next? Mm. So yeah, my my program is, is what I'm really passionate about from Mediocre to More. And then my group program, mm. Love Life More, is a really is a is a group experience of, of that. Beautiful, and I will link both of those in the show notes too. Great. Thank you so much. You are so inspiring and full of so much wisdom. Thank you for sharing so openly and honestly. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I hope you guys love listening to Daisy's episode today. She is such a dream. I've linked her programs down in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about her. But in the meantime, if you loved today's episode, please rate, subscribe, review, send me a message on Instagram at lovebyolivia underscore. And in the meantime, we'll see you next week, every Sunday. Have a good one.